0: Hi, my name's Jaden Higgins, voice actor and perpetual DM for most of my gaming groups. All tabletop RPGs have tremendous variation depending on who's running the game as well as who's playing. This podcast is meant to share my ideas and gather the ideas of others as far as running games and nurturing groups. Whatever it is that you play, be it D&D, HeroQuest, Call of Cthulhu, or any other group game, I hope that we can all improve our experiences by sharing ideas. If you'd like to message me with podcast topics, see about being a guest on the show, or just share some words of encouragement, you can drop me a line at Podcast on Instagram. I hope you enjoy the show. For this episode of Monster Monday, we're going to be talking about another really weak undead creature, even weaker this time than skeletons, the Crawling Claw. The 5th edition monster manual entry for Crawling Claw reads as follows. Crawling Claws are severed hands of murderers animated by dark magic so they can go on killing. Wizards and warlocks of a dark bent use Crawling Claws as extra hands in their labors. Through dark, necromantic rituals, the life force of a murderer is bound to its severed hand, haunting and animating it. If a dead murderer's spirit already manifests as another undead creature, if the murderer is raised from the dead, or if the spirit has long passed onto another plane, the ritual fails. The ritual invoked to create a crawling claw works best with a hand recently severed from a murderer. To this end, ritualists and their servants frequent public executions to gain possession of suitable hands, or make bargains with assassins and torturers. So on the whole, this works really well with dark themes to put in your game, with the skeletons. You can play it off as a joke to have like a little hand crawling around, but if that's the case, for your game, I wouldn't get... Too into the origins of the crawling claw, or you can just make up some other reason that a hand might be animating itself. Of course, a completely autonomous hand doesn't necessarily need to be a dark thing. Well, it, it's dark either way, but as an example of thing from the Adams family, like it's dark but it's comedy. It's not too gruesome or ridiculous. As far as intelligence, they're supposed to not be very smart. The book says a crawling claw possesses little of the intellect and memories of the individual which it was once a living part so you can have them not be terribly intelligent and that would be lore accurate but a fun part that i like to add to my games is to make them as smart as a person maybe a particularly intelligent person if you're going for a less dark theme perhaps it can be its own npc maybe it likes to go on quests and solve mysteries and stuff who knows it can write its own name like to play in games and give it some senses beyond what's normally in the book as a monster and part of an encounter if for some reason you're fighting zombies you can have the hands pop off once you destroy the zombies being their own thing creating a small kind of nuisance to add to the fact that your players don't know what's going to happen next But personally, if I put the crawling claws in my games, I usually just use them as is. And for the most part, it works out great. Most of your players will be able to pretty readily imagine a hand crawling around all by itself. But if for some reason your players can't imagine it, you can just put your hand on the table and show them what the hand's doing. It's just a hand. And overall, early or late campaign, it can be a really good tone setter. You can describe them as grotesquely or as cleanly as you want, but a hand crawling around by itself is a hand crawling around by itself. It's probably gonna come across as really creepy, which of course is sometimes what you're going for. Another thing that might just logically make sense for the monster is instead of giving it a magical blind sight that it already has, give it some sort of tremor sense. Like, if it's touching the ground and somebody's walking nearby, it can be able to tell, but it has a really hard time catching on to flying creatures in the area. But I'll get more into that in the stat-specific part of the episode. As far as using a crawling claw in combat, it can be a small thing as part of a larger group with bigger monsters. It can be a single claw that maybe you give a higher armor class or for some reason you make it very evasive and hard to kill. Or you can make it an entire swarm of dismembered hands. They're not very strong, but a bunch of hands crawling at you would be creepy in real life or in d Again, just another idea to use. Also, you can consider leaving a book detailing how crawling claws are made. Maybe give it as a little familiar to one of your more evil-inclined players, and you can make the entire creation of it like an event maybe you need to find an execution somewhere or this gives your party a reason to target specifically bad people or somebody who's already committed a murder so they can go to seek out a morally justifiable enemy instead of just killing whoever happens to cross them and the hand specifically being the hand of a murderer matters or you can make it matter in your game you can use it to bring up questions about in-universe morality what's murder Are you going to have it be okay to use the hand of somebody who killed in self-defense? Do they need to consider themselves a murderer? Or what's the litmus test for that? All in all, a crying claw is a very simple monster. But that's the beauty of simple monsters in your campaign. You can use them however you want. They're the easiest ones to make small adjustments to, and you can justify having them anywhere if you try hard enough. Before we get to the stat block for this Monster Monday... A word from our sponsor. This episode, like the ones that came before it, has no official sponsor. Instead of a joke sponsor segment, I'd really like to thank you for listening. Everybody who's listened to an episode so far is more than just a number on a count of viewers. It's me feeling like my voice is maybe going to matter to people. It would be really discouraging to put my voice out there and have nobody listen. So, especially to everybody who's listened to every episode... Thank you very much. Now for the stat-specific portion of the episode. A crawling claw for 5e is a tiny undead creature. It has an armor class of 12, an average hit point of 2, a speed of 20 feet, and a climbing speed of 20 feet as well. It has a strength of 13, a dexterity of 14, a constitution of 11, an intelligence of 5, a wisdom of 10 and a charisma of 4. For the most part if I'm running a crawling claw the only of those stats that I might change would be intelligence. Make it higher give it a personality. They're immune to poison damage, they are immune to the conditions of charmed, exhausted, and poisoned. They have 30-foot blind sense and they're blind beyond that with a passive perception of 10. Now for me I might substitute that blind sense with tremor sense, like I said before. It specifically kind of makes more sense because a hand doesn't have eyes, but it's also fine to give it blind sight or some other ability to sense what's nearby by magic. As far as languages, it understands common but can't speak. However, you can change that to whatever language the murderer knew or was most familiar with, and it has a challenge rating of 0, which gives 10 XP if you're using the XP system. Now, the one unique feature of this monster is that it is immune to being turned or controlled by spells that target undead. For the most part, you only see that with higher level undead, like the Demi-Lich or a Lich, but this little hand has it. If you have a cleric who might be able to turn or otherwise control undead creatures, and you give them an entire swarm of crawling claws, it might, you know, shake up their expectations a little bit, because a lot of players when they have the option use things like that to deal with the hordes of undead that a DM might throw at them. As far as attacks, it just has its claw attack as the name might suggest. What might be a good idea for your campaign is to give it some sort of equipment. Now you might be asking what kind of equipment can you give a disembodied hand? Well, maybe a magical bracelet or a ring with some spells stored in it, or that make it harder to hit. Among a bigger group, or with some other monsters, that's some easy rewarding for your players. Also, that's an instance where they could have seen the object in use, so they know it's magical without having to check. Such a variation of the monster might be useful to throw at parties that don't have a wizard with the identify spell. Overall, it's not a terribly... Big or threatening monster, but it's unique in its own ways, and every monster can be useful. Remember, we're just telling stories, and I hope we can all tell better stories and improve each other's experiences. Thank you. All right, episode over. If you like what you heard, consider binging a couple podcast episodes and share it with people you know. Who knows? It might just be what gets them into this wonderful hobby we all share.